0: The crowd was going crazy there's not much in life
1: that's better than that you guys always showed me love my family and i appreciate it so much uh you guys are the best
2: you're listening to garlic fries and baseball guys on the 95.7 the game podcast network
0: hello there welcome back to the garlic fries and baseball guys podcast sam lubman here Usually I'm, as always, here with Joe the Butcher Boy Shasky, though that is not the case this time. It is just me uh, for this episode. Uh, Shasky uh, on assignment today, but it's going to be a bit of a different episode. You're not going to be hearing a a whole lot from me today. Um, Like I said, this is episode 81. 81 is how many runs newest giant Jung-Hoo Lee scored in 2018 for the Nexen Heroes while he was playing the Korean Baseball Organization, the KBO. A couple of interesting names were on that team there in, uh, in Nexon with Lee. Uh, ha Sung Kim of the uh, San Diego Padres, a good friend of Lee, uh, was on that team as well. Another guy who was on that team, Michael Choice. I don't know if anyone remembers that name. A's legend Michael Choice played eight, nine games with the A's back in, I believe, 2013. Uh, yeah, former A there. Uh, he had a pretty good year with Nexon that year as well. Uh, no other names that anyone would recognize were on that Nexen Heroes team with uh, jung Hu Lee. But yeah, 81 runs uh, there in 2018. Uh, last year, though, for, uh, for Young Lee, obviously, because, again, 2018 was quite a while ago, uh, he scored only 50 runs last year for uh, ki the Kiwoom Fighters, I believe they are called. No, Kiwoom Heroes. I guess it's all heroes over there. Nexen heroes, the Kiwoom heroes. He scored 50 runs for them last year. That was only in 86 games by comparison, though. Lamont Wade Jr. led the Giants in runs scored last year in 135 games. He crossed the plate only 64 times. So Giants are getting a guy who knows how to score a lot. Uh, He had an OPS of 860 in the KBO last year for comparison for the Giants. Wilmer Flores led the Giants in OPS last year with an 863 number. So... Giants are getting a pretty good uh, offensive injection here for this team. I had a chance to go to his uh, introductory press conference today. Luckily, we were able to have it. The physical was passed. We were all good there. And, uh, yeah, it was a very, very pleasant affair. Uh, Farhan Zaidi was up there along with uh, jung Hu Lee, his agent Scott Boris, as well as his interpreter. Uh, Lee's interpreter, that is, not Boris. Boris doesn't need an interpreter. And uh, the four of them, well, the four of them were up there, but Lee took questions for about 30 minutes. Uh, Farhan took one question about potential moves in the outfield. But today is about jung Hu Lee uh, for the most part because the Giants, they, they got... Maybe not the the guy, but they got a guy. The Giants were finally able to make a splash in free agency to the level they've wanted to for the last few years now. Maybe not the big guys like Aaron Judge or Shohei Otani or Bryce Harper. But they got someone who will be a positive to this lineup. Uh, some of the highlights uh, from the presser today... Uh, one, he's uh, he's very excited to hit at Oracle Park, though he has not really played in a lot of open-air stadiums. Uh, they have a lot of dome stadiums over there in the KBO, but uh, still very excited to come here and hit at Oracle Park. Um, he's not worried about his ankle at all. He uh, had an ankle injury last year, a fractured ankle in the middle of the year last year. That's why he was held to only 86 games in the KBO in, uh, in this most recent season. Uh, but he says he's ready to go. He's going to work very hard to prove that uh, the ankle is not an issue. He is he is very excited to come here and prove to these fans, and prove to the Giants fans that he is worth the investment. Uh, talked about hard work a lot, a very hard worker, and a very good sense of humor, too. He, he definitely was not afraid to crack off a joke or two. So, uh, I, again, I understand if people are showing, showing some, side, some sort of consternation over what he might do because it's always uh, a toss-up as to what a player who played – in the far East does when they come over here to, you know, major league to the major leagues here in America. But overall, I think there's a lot to like about this signing. I think there's a lot of upside here. Um, so yeah, a very, a, a positive day for Giants fans. Farhan did mention that he will be the everyday center fielder. Uh, he does expect to hit against both righties and lefties. So don't worry, uh, those who are anti-platoon. Uh, that is not going to be the plan with uh, jung Huli. At least right now, that is not the plan. He's going to be playing every day, uh, except for those days where he needs a day off. Um, and great head of hair on this kid. Uh, so very excited to see what he can do here in a Giants uniform. Uh, so today, though, this episode's not so much about hearing from me. Uh, this is about hearing from people who are around jung Hu Lee. After this presser, I had a chance to catch up with uh, his agent, Scott Boris, as well as Giants uh, President of Baseball Operations, Farhan Zaidi. You're going to be hearing those uh, two conversations here on this episode. Starting off with Scott Boris, I had about four or five minutes where I was able to chat with him about how the pursuit went, how he expects Lee to perform here in San Francisco, and of course... The, the big conversation topic that we've had over the last couple days, especially at ninety five seventy The Game, how the city of San Francisco plays a role in whether it attracts free agents or deters them. I asked him about that, and he gave his perspective. So without further ado, here is Scott Boris uh, chatting with the Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys podcast. So during this process, did you feel like the Giants are always like the fit for Lee, or was there a moment where you realized this is probably the best team for him?
2: Well, you never. We knew the Giants were interested, but we we never really knew the. You uh, don't know the extent of it to get into the negotiation. We have value points that we put on a player, and and certainly the Giants met our expectations, and and uh, but all along with the Korean community here, the ballpark, the division, his bat, to ball skills. Uh, You know, uh, we really felt that he would
0: succeed and play at high levels, uh, you know, here. You mentioned the bat skills. Now, obviously, the uh, the fastballs here are a little bit faster than they are over in the KBO. What kind of an adjustment might that be like for him uh, this season, facing faster fastballs? Yeah,
2: you know, when I brought Yoshida over last year, people talked about that because in every league, you know, there aren't as many pitchers in the NPB or the KBO that throw with the velo that they do here, but when I look at players that have great vision, and we have monitored the number of times that he's faced 94-plus and what he's done, and, uh... I think you'll find out that Jung-Hoo can hit a fastball, that's for sure. That's good to
0: hear. Um, Obviously, Oracle Park has a history of kind of being not super power-friendly, unless you made his Barry Bonds. Um, How do you feel like, how is this ballpark a good fit for him? How do you feel like he's a good fit for this ballpark?
2: Yeah, uh, Jung-Hoo is, you know, uh, a gap-to-gap player, hard contact, lots of line drives. And he does have the ability to drive the ball out of the ballpark, but... You know, I think initially it will be a 12 to 15 home run guy, and then as time goes on, his power will show up more once he learns the, the league and pitching and things. But uh, as with most center fielders, you're, you know, it's a pretty rare event that you get somebody that can hold down that position defensively. Mm-hmm. But the key thing here is on base percentage, scoring runs, great base runner, great first step. Um, really somebody, I think, that can aid with... Uh, the middle lineup where he can give them the ability to drive in and score a lot of runs. Awesome.
0: And do you feel like he's com- as comfortable against right-handed hitting as he is against left-handed hitting? Oh, yeah. He, he hits left-handed hitting. You know, he, he's really, this guy's a very good hitter with great pass speed. Yeah. And lastly, um, obviously there's a lot of, you know, consternation is sometimes made about the city of San Francisco and certain players feeling uncomfortable playing here. You know, Lee signed here. Obviously, we had the you know Korea. He signed here last year until he didn't. Um, when players kind of do they ever bring those concerns up to you about playing in San Francisco? And what are those kind of conversations like with them?
2: I was raised here, so uh, I have a viewpoint. I think that's instructive. Um, the city's gone through some reformation, as many cities do. Um, but the idea of I look at is what is this. Really, this whole forum do for the player, and there are there are benefits to it, and that is the climate, the fresh, lack of humidity. Uh, the detriments, obviously, for offensive players are the the uh, you know you you got to be a guy that that really, in many ways, pulls the ball here, be that that using the. Left center field alley and left field is is important for power here. So it's uh it's uh, but it's something that look guys have won MVPs are offensively. So uh, their names aren't very buzz. But uh, hi Barry, by the way, if you're listening. <laughs> but uh, but the uh, yeah right. So it's uh it's something where you know it's. We look at it, but for this type of player, his skill set, we
0: really felt the ballpark was very conducive to his success. And like, the city itself, I mean, sometimes it's the political aspect of the city, too, the issues with crime, homelessness, stuff like that, that seems to always get brought up. Is that, again, you were raised here. You have kind of, like, that local knowledge here. Are you able to kind of, like, assuage players of those concerns there, or how how does that part of the conversation sound? We have
2: homeless issues in L.A.
0: We have in San Diego. It's kind of California.
2: Mm -hmm. It's a monstrous problem that I hope we can correct. Um, The players that play here are not really in when you hear them and talk with them over time the political dynamics of the city are not really it's about winning, it's about performing, it's about doing what they do and I think they go to their homes where they're from then they kind of pay attention to more of the uh, regional community dynamics than you would say being a ball player here
0: all right, so that was Scott Boris there uh, chatting with me in the Giants clubhouse, which is where the Giants had this pod, uh, had this uh, press conference take place. Uh, it's always the Giants pressers. They're happening in all different parts around the ballpark. Sometimes they're happening in the dugout. Sometimes they're happening in club level. Today it was in the Giants clubhouse, which I thought was kind of cool. It's uh, kind of like, you know, it's it, it, I just thought it was kind of cool having it in there. Um, very nice backdrop there with the lockers in the background and uh uh so yeah, very uh, entertaining uh, atmosphere there to have that. Um Boris, uh, again, obviously he's going to be very excited about the potential that that Lee brings. He's obviously very optimistic that his skills will translate uh from the KBO over to Major League Baseball. Um no one though needs to be more optimistic about how Lee will perform than Farhan Zaidi, who again, it's been a it's been a battle <laughs> for Farhan. Uh ever since coming here, obviously uh our our thoughts on Farhan Zaidi have been well well uh, talked about here on this podcast between both myself and Sha and uh, Joe Shasky um, today this week though was a week that should have been a step forward for Farhan in terms of just his his overall the overall direction of the team uh, it should have been a, a a positive notch in his belt as I said earlier this week Farhan gets a cookie for this signing I think it's a good signing unfortunately though. It was marred by comments that uh, former Giants catcher and part owner Buster Posey made to The Athletic where he talked about how he, he he's had players talk about their uh, issues with coming to play in the San, in the city of San Francisco, how some of the narratives around the city might deter players. And that's frustrated a lot of Giants fans, understandably so. Um, I look at it as a situation where it's just like, you know what, maybe don't say that kind of thing. Uh, if you're trying to convince players to come here, don't put it out into the, the ether. Don't put it out into the public that the city itself sometimes acts as a detriment to your free agent recruiting. Whether it's true or not, whether that's been said to you or not, it's not something that needs to be said publicly. Because when you say it publicly, when you're a voice of authority and give credence to these these statements made by people who aren't from the city, statements by people who don't understand what it's like to live in the city, or people who just want to use the city of San Francisco as a punching bag to advance their own agendas, uh, political or non-political. When when the Giants say it, when the Giants acknowledge it, it gives it a new level of... Uh, it gives it a new dimension. It gives it a new level of life. It, it gives it more there's more oomph now behind the narrative because if they're recognizing it, basically what the Giants are doing is allowing the narrative to, in a sense, control the situation rather than the Giants being able to jump on the narrative and control the situation themselves. If other people are saying that players don't want to come here because the city of San Francisco is X, Y, or Z, that's fine. Let them say that. When the Giants say it, though... It's like, well, okay, if other free agents are coming here and trying to decide whether or not they want to play in San Francisco, but then you got the actual people within the team acknowledging that the city's issues do play a role, it makes it a lot harder for a free agent to want to engage uh, with the Giants in these negotiations because why would they want to come here and play in the city when the team isn't really doing a good job talking up the city, at least publicly in these comments. So I want to give Farhan Zaidi a chance to kind of dispel that notion and really kind of talk about, you know, why, why the Giants are able to kind of maybe overcome that negative perception. I want to give him a really a chance to explain how he does dispel these negative narratives surrounding the city of San Francisco. And of course we did talk about the signing as well and the message that it sends to giants fans. So, uh, without further ado, here is my conversation with Farhan Zaidi about Jung Hu Lee in the city of San Francisco. Just kind of throughout this process. Was there a moment where you realized that like, he's actually going to be coming here. We're going to be signing this guy or yeah. Yeah, What was that moment like? Yeah. I think
1: for us, it was, um, um, You know, every free agent negotiation is different. There are times when you have a valuation and you want to kind of stick to it and have some degree of discipline. I mean, this, just because of the fit and how much of a priority he was, the whole dynamic was different. It was more us trying to figure out how do we get this deal done, how do we get this deal done quickly, Um, and... You know, it just wasn't the type of negotiation where we are looking to beat the next bid by a dollar. Yeah. I mean, you can ask Scott; I'm pretty <laughs> sure the next team wasn't at 112.99. So, so
0: you really went above and beyond the. Well, others, uh, look,
1: yeah. it, it. You know, there. Uh, you know, when you're talking about free agent yeah. negotiations, you know things move in steps, and you make an offer, and then you know that. Um, you know, there's going to be a round to point other teams and getting them there and so, I think especially with a negotiation like this it's a player who's pretty unique, there aren't a lot of comps and um, you know I think Our our view was it might start at a lower point, but the more people look at the free agent board and the more they recognize we're not going to be able to use the past data points, the market is the market, it was going to move upwards. So that's why we were just motivated to get the deal done quickly because of the fit and because of... You know, we thought the longer it went, you know, there was a chance for the competition to
0: only increase. The dice gets, yeah. yeah. I know, so I remember I was reading, you know, the initial projections had him at, like, making $50 or or something like that. So, I don't know how much you can say on this. I just don't want to get you in trouble. But what can you say in terms just about how many other teams were kind of going after him here and how much that might have pushed the price up a little bit? Yeah, I
1: think there was healthy competition. And I think a lot of the projections out there were based on, you know, what Hassan Kim got a few years ago. Mm -hmm. And, you know, since that contract, you know, you've had Seiya Suzuki and Masahido Yoshida sign contracts. Obviously, those are Japanese players. But, you know, by our evaluations and by, you know, his representative's view, you know, those were kind of better comps, more appropriate comps for this negotiation than what Kim got a few years ago. And so, you know, your, your choice is to either accept that premise or say no and then just cross your fingers so for us it was I think what we were able to find common ground sort of once we sort of recognized that those those were reasonable comps even though they were Japanese
0: players. so um Obviously, Giants fans, they've been kind of clamoring. They, they want a guy to come here. They want to a, they, they want to see you guys land a big fish in free agency. What kind of a message do you think this sends to fans that, like, all right, we got a guy here, a big fish like this. What kind of message do you think that's sending to the fan base with this signing today?
1: Yeah, I think it, it sort of echoes what we've talked about all offseason, which is we're not just trying to make our team better. We're trying to create excitement around the the our players the organization and you know he's a really exciting player uh, he's got a great personality his he's got a pretty unique skill set um, and I think any time. A little bit of the unknown and a little bit of mystery for somebody coming, you know, from outside the U.S. from another league. It just creates another layer of excitement. So, you know, hopefully fans, I think, you know, the excitement around the fan base and the organization is palpable. We feel it. That excites us and it's just going to continue to motivate us to make Moves to improve the team this offseason. Yeah,
0: you know, hopefully there's a few more we get to talk about. Um, a couple of baseball questions. I asked Scott the same thing. Uh, the fastballs here in, in Major League Baseball are a little bit faster than they are in the KBO. Yeah. I think I read like about five miles on average faster. How do you anticipate that transition going for him, having to you know face fastballs that are you know on average going to be a little bit faster than he's used to?
1: Right. Uh, you know, I, I, I referenced this earlier, but I think when you're looking at that sample, you know, you, you, you a lot of times will look specifically at a competition that more resembles what he'll face here. So, you know, Merrill Kelly, while he was over there, he had a lot of success against Merrill Kelly, who's, you know, shut us down here many times. So, uh, you know, uh, if he can if he can put up those kinds of numbers against Merrill Kelly here, that'll be a huge boost. But even in the World Baseball Classic, facing pitchers like you Darvish, guys with good fastballs, you know, we just saw somebody who, you know, when he's facing that velocity day in, day out, will be able to make the adjustment. And In general when you have great bat to ball skills you can time up a fastball. I mean, you know, whether it's ninety two or ninety seven, once you kinda calibrate to that velocity you know, good bat to ball skills will always translate with fastballs. You know, the the challenge I think as much as anything is the harder breaking balls here. In Asia a lot of times breaking balls are slower, kind of big breaking pitches um you know whereas here you have cutters and sliders guys throwing mid to high 80s breaking balls and so it's really the combination of that with the higher fastball velocity that makes it more challenging
0: and then uh do you expect him to be able to hit against both pitchers or will be a little bit of platooning at some point throughout the season or what do you envision there
1: yeah he's done well against lefties in korea again but it's a different level of competition um so you know, as we say a lot, I, I, we view him as an everyday player, you know, when he gets a day, day off, is it going to be a day off against the left? You know, we're going to try to figure out, you know, kind of games against lefties, against tough lefties to get him, you know, get him a blow probably. Um, but certainly the plan is for him to play as much as possible.
0: Right, kind of a, a, not as fun question here, but, uh, I was taking phone calls from our listeners at 95, seven last couple of days. Uh, a lot of kind of frustration about comments made about the city of San Francisco. Yeah. Um, um, my question that is obviously there there is a preconceived notion about this city that yeah. you guys unfortunately have to deal with um, how do you go about dispelling that notion that these you know the the that the city being as scary as they think it is how do you go about kind of showing them that no it's not like that
1: yeah I think you know again Buster who played here for a long time you know moved back to Georgia came back here because his family loves this area so much You know, I I think his comments were really taken out of context, which happens. Um, You know, I think if you – I view the Bay Area as a big recruiting advantage for us. When you look at our recruiting videos, including the one we prepared for Lee, it features sort of scenery from San Francisco and the Bay Area very prominently. I think it's a huge selling point for us. You talk to our players, you know, who have have played here about playing in San Francisco – Be living in the Bay Area They all love it So um, You know I think it's A little bit Spun out of control Relative to the reality Of the situation I mean Is every Free agent Going to have San Francisco Number one on their list Of course not That's not true of any city And um, You know Whether it's geography Whether it's someone Having family in the Midwest Or the East Coast Wanting spring training In Florida um, You know There are a lot of reasons Why players have Geographic preferences And on top of that you know, every free agent is different. Some free agents go in and say, I want to go to the team that pays me top dollar. Others say, I want to be on one of these two teams, and I just yeah. want to get the best deal that I can. So that's a dynamic that every team deals with, and, and we're no different. But, you know, you talk to our players, they have great experience. Anybody who's serious about playing here... Um, when they have conversations with Logan Webb. I mean, Logan Webb is out (laughs) on the front lines of this, like, tweeting pictures of the Golden Gate Bridge. I know, he was
0: going full force yesterday. I love that. That was
1: great to see. I mean, I love seeing that. But, look, the bottom line is anybody who's open or excited about playing in San Francisco, you know, we're going to try to make that happen. And if we get a sense from a free agent that they have concerns, you know, We'll either try to address them or we'll walk away from the table because we don't want players who don't want to play here. So um, I don't view it as a disadvantage at all. If anything, I view it as an advantage, and it's an advantage that we make a big part of our recruiting pitch to players.
0: I guess I'd say that was awesome, but like following up on that, however much detail you can go into that, has there been a situation where you're talking to a player and he's like, oh, I don't know about the city, I've heard this, this, and that, yeah. and you were able to kind of like... I don't know if open open their eyes is the right way to say it, have you ever been kind of like show a player like, hey, it's not as bad and they realize like, oh, okay, and then they were able to sign here.
1: Yeah, I I can say emphatically I've never had a player specifically express concerns about San Francisco. I mean, I've heard it sort of in passing from agents, but frankly, I think a lot of that is a, you know, it often comes up as a negotiating point, so you sort of treat that accordingly. Um, Again, I think anybody who, Might bring up concerns, whether it's speaking to players, speaking to staff, sending them information. We have plenty of ways to address it, but it has never come up with a player. Again, I I think, you know, even in comments I've made in the past, the point was less about concerns about San Francisco and more that there are players out there that we would love to target that have geographic preferences, that want to be on the East Coast, that want to be, you know, sometimes you can address that by paying a premium. Sometimes you can't. So, um, again, I don't think what we deal with there is any different than any other team.
0: All right, so that was Farhan Zaidi. Our conversation there. Uh, very glad that we were able to chat. That I was able to chat with him there. Uh, wasn't even really planning on either one of these conversations, really. Uh, after the press conference, a lot of people were milling around. A lot of the normal beat writers were huddled around Farhan Zaidi in a, in a very loud Giants clubhouse. And uh, I noticed kind of Scott Boris was standing off to the side by himself. He was talking with one of the members of the uh, the Korean media. And yeah, just went up and said, "Hey, Scott, Sam, Lovett, nine five, send the game. You gotta got, got a couple minutes." Had a couple minutes there, and then uh, as I'm uh, about to leave the clubhouse, I noticed uh, Tim Kawakami there. I went and said hey to him. He's obviously a uh, extended member of the 95-7 The Game and Odyssey family, and then uh, right behind me was Farhan Zaidi, so TK wanted to chat with him first, and once Kawakami was done talking to him, and once Susan Slusser afterwards was done talking to him, I, I like to let Slusser kind of have her moment, too. She's a, a longtime veteran on uh, the A's and Giants beat, one of the best in the business, and I figured, hey, why not? Let's see if Farhan will talk to me too. And by golly, he talked to me too. So I was very glad to be able to have that opportunity with him. Uh, very glad that he was able to do that. Hopefully we can get him on the station soon. love to have him on the morning roast. Uh, he did say he'd be up for that though. So we'll see what happens there. But yeah, that was my conversation with Scott Boris and Farhan Zaidi. Uh, we'll have more uh, garlic fries and baseball guys content throughout the off season. Uh, Giants hopefully not done making moves. So there will be new free agent signings to talk about at some point. Uh, I'll be back to uh, talk about them with you guys here on the podcast. Shasky will probably be a part of it, too. You know, he loves getting his Giants takes off. So uh, until then, we will catch you on the next one.